brethren, let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 1. Our subject is Israelites with no guile. Israelites with no guile. Verse 45 says, Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, We found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and he saith of, of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Now when the Lord saw Nathanael, he said something amazing. He said, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Now, this is the all-knowing, all-seeing God, our Savior, who says this. This is God, our Savior, before whose eyes all things are open. He, he, our hearts are right as clear as the noonday sun before Him. Nathaniel, just like all Adam's children, just like you and I, was a sinner. He was a sinner. He had a sin nature in which was nothing but sin. Only guile, only hypocrisy, only deceit, only craftiness. And yet our all-knowing, all-seeing Savior said of Nathaniel, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Now here's the good news. For every true child of God that's been born of God the Holy Spirit, our Lord Jesus Christ says this of you, exactly as he said of Nathaniel. Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. That's what our Redeemer says of each child he's redeemed, who's born of his Spirit. You're an Israelite indeed, and in you is no guile. Now, first of all, what does Christ mean by calling Nathaniel an Israelite indeed? Well, to be an Israelite is to be of God's elect Israel. Is to be of God's elect Israel. Is to be of the true spiritual Israel of God. His holy nation, which is made up of king priests. By Christ our king. By Christ our priest. By his blood. This is his holy nation. Nathaniel was born in political Israel, but that didn't make him an Israelite indeed. Our carnal birth's not what determines if we are an Israelite indeed. Our race has nothing to do with, with if we're an Israelite indeed. Our Lord said, through Paul, he said, They are not all Israel which are of Israel. It would be helpful in understanding the scriptures. If we, could, if we could read these scriptures and forget about political Israel... 
and just view everybody you read about in the scriptures as being just like a, a sinner fallen in Adam in need of God's grace. That'll help us understand something of these promises God makes in the scripture. Only God makes an Israelite indeed. It's only when we're born again of God and circumcised in the heart that we become an Israelite indeed, a true Jew. Go to Romans 2, and let me show you this. Romans 2, verse 28, says, He's not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Just because he's born into Israel, just because he outwardly professes to be a child of Abraham or, or is naturally, he's not a Jew which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. He's a Jew which is one inwardly. Circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise, whose commendation is not of men, but of God. Christ looked at he looked at Nathaniel and he commended him. He said, an Israelite indeed in whom is no God. What's he commending? He commending what he created, what he did, what Christ did in Nathaniel. That outward sign of circumcision typified what God does in the heart. It was given to, to Abraham long after God had worked this in his heart. And it was a picture of what he did in his heart. He creates a new heart whereby he births us into his kingdom. Not, his, not, a, not a political kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. Our Lord Jesus told Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He can't enter into the kingdom of God. You have to be born into this kingdom to be an Israelite indeed. And it's the work of God alone. He alone does this work. It's not of us. We're at the mercy. We're sinners. We're at the mercy of God to come to us with his gospel, by his spirit, and work this in our heart. We can't work this in our heart. But the Lord's promised this. He said in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, The Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart. He's speaking of his elect. He's speaking of those Christ redeemed. The Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed. That is your spiritual children. Those elect children that will be born through your word. He'll circumcise their heart to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. That's what you do. When he sheds abroad in our heart the love of God, he makes you love God. He makes you love God's command. He makes you love God's gospel and God's way of salvation. Turn over to Jeremiah 9. The Pharisees were born in Israel. They were natural sons of Abraham, and they had been circumcised outward in the flesh by men. And so they thought they were Israelites indeed. And they thought they were better than the Gentiles because the Gentiles were born outside of Israel, and they hadn't been circumcised. Listen to what the Lord says here. He says, because you haven't been circumcised in the heart, there's no difference in you and the Gentile. Listen to this. Jeremiah 9, verse 25, he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will punish all them which are circumcised with the uncircumcised. He's talking about in the flesh, those that are circumcised and those that aren't. I'll punish all of them. Egypt, there's the Gentile. Judah, there's Israel. Edom, 
There's Gentiles, the children of Ammon and Moab, and all that are in the utmost corners that dwell in the wilderness. For all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart. That's what he's talking about, in the heart. So until God works this work, there's no different than in any of us. But when he works this work, this is how he unites us. He said, he said in Jeremiah 32, 39, I will give them one heart. We're born of one spirit, and he gives you one heart. And one way, Christ the way, that they may fear me forever. For the good of them and of their children after them, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. The true Israel of God are born again of God, circumcised in heart by God, birthed into his spiritual kingdom, and it's all of God's grace. That's how we're Israelites indeed. Now, secondly, what did Christ mean when he said of Nathanael, in whom is no guile? In whom is no guile. This is the new nature he's speaking about. He's talking about it's called in Scripture the new heart, the new spirit, the new man, the inward man. It's created of the Holy Spirit. In the new man is no guile, no deceit. No craftiness, no dishonesty, only pure singleness of heart for Christ. That's in the new man. This is not something we arrive at by our doing or, or gradually. This is something entirely of the Spirit of Christ. His creation is as much the glory of Christ as his work on the cross is, and it's as necessary. We have to be redeemed from our sins, justified from our sin, and we have to be born again, and a new man has to be created within us, or we can't worship God. God's elect were crucified with Christ. We were justified from all our sins. Our old man of sin died in Christ and was slain and was buried, and God remembers him no more. God says his sin, our sin is put away. He says, I'll remember their sin no more. But just as necessary, we have to be born of the Spirit of Christ. Christ has to abide in us. And by His abiding in us, by His righteousness, we're made alive. Righteousness is life. We're made alive by His righteousness abiding in us. And this new man must be created within us. It must be created in Christ's righteousness and Christ's holiness. This is why David said, Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. By Christ's work on the cross, we have no iniquity to impute before God. And he said this too, and in whose spirit there is no guile. That's only of the Lord. That's only the new man created of the Lord. Go to Revelation 14.4. Let me show you. Revelation 14.4. He speaks of the elect in heaven who are who are with Christ, and listen to what he says. Verse 4, These are they which were not defiled with women. We were not defiled with false religion, with will works religion, with the harlot Babylon. For they are virgins. We saw the other day the jealous God, he makes us chaste virgins. Christ makes us chaste. He makes us holy by his blood and his spirit, by his work for us and his work in us. And this is the result. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. 
These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb, and in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. You see, first and foremost, this is in Christ. This is before God's holy law. When you have no sin, God says, there's no guile. They're without fault. There's no guile. There's no maliciousness. There's no hypocrisy. But my old man is nothing but malice and hypocrisy. Yeah, but he died. He was crucified. You, unless that old man of ours has, been, has, has died to the law, we can't worship God. That old man has got to be dead or God won't receive us to himself. That man's got to be condemned, he's got to be, he's got to be crucified, he's got to be dead. And then, by the Spirit of Christ creating this new man, then we can approach God. And so by Christ abiding in us, we have this new spirit, which is no guile. Peter said, it's being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. When we were born the first time, we were born of corruptible seed, so our nature is corrupt. Our sin nature from Adam's corrupt. But being born of the seed, the incorruptible seed, there's a new man created that is incorruptible. Peter said, there's within us the hidden man of the heart, which is not corruptible. He's a meek and a quiet spirit, listen, which in the sight of God is of great price. That's what Christ was teaching. He looked at Nathaniel, and in his sight, he wasn't looking at sinful Nathaniel. He was looking at what he had made. And he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. It was of great price. His creation, what he had made. This is what John meant. Go to 1 John 3. 1 John 3, 9. This is the new man he's speaking about right here. Listen. He said Christ came to, to, to uh, put an end to the works of the devil. And this is, he did it for us on the cross, and then he does it in our heart. And listen to what he said. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. Now listen to what he said. He does not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. Now, whatever this not sinning is, whatever the sin he's talking about is that a believer cannot commit, it's the one thing that is the manifest difference between a child of God and a child of the devil. Is there any sin you can't commit that a child of the devil can commit? Any? There's just one. There's just one. And it's by the Spirit of God. Here it is. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Now, did Christ mean, when he looked at Nathaniel and he said he had no God, did he mean that was the tenor of his life? Now, if you have no God, you know that is not what it could mean. If you're honest in your heart, you know it can't mean that. Because you know that in your old man, you sin all the time. Whosoever says he's without sin has deceived himself. You know that. Now, it is the tenor of our life that we don't, the Spirit won't let us do the things our flesh would do. And that's solely to the glory of God's grace. 
But he said here, this new man is born of incorruptible seed and cannot sin. And it's so it's such a certainty that it manifests a difference between him and the children of the devil. We, we, we have to have the new man to know what this is because then we'll be honest with ourselves. You take a man who's in water, water's not heavy to him. He's in it. He's in the water. But you take him out of that water and put a five-gallon bucket of water on his head, and it's heavy. Well, when the Spirit of God puts a new man in you, in which is no guile, he, he brings you out of that being surrounded in sin to where now your sin becomes exceedingly sinful to you. It becomes heavy to you. And you're honest with God then. The one manifest difference between a child of God and the child of the devil is this. In our new man, we can't stop keeping Christ's commandment. We can't. And Christ's commandment is not the Ten Commandments. He satisfied that law and took it out of the way, and he gives us his commandment. What is it? Well, he gave it to us in the negative in verse 9. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. And then he gives it to us in the positive down in verse 23. This is his commandment, that we believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. That's doing righteousness, because by, through faith in him, we've done the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God. We're robed in his righteousness. And here's the second part of it, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Watch this now. He that keepeth his commandments, is it, is it our strength that we did it? No. You dwell in him, and he in you. And hereby we know that he abides in us. This is the only way you know this, by the Spirit of God that he's given you. That's the only way we know this. Now he's, he, you know that in this new guileless nature, Christ dwells in you and you dwell in him. And now because he does so, by the faithful one dwelling in you, you believe on him. By his faith, by the faith of the Son of God, you believe on him. And through faith in him, we've done righteousness. We've established righteousness. There is no sin. God will not impute sin to us. We're robed in his righteousness. And, uh, and by the love of God being shed abroad in our heart, we love Christ and we love his people. And we love all men. And this is his work in the heart. And because he abides in you and he'll never stop abiding in you, what did he say? When I give them this one way and this one heart, they shall never depart from me. And he makes it to where the believer, the one thing a believer cannot do, the one sin you can't commit is the sin of apostasy. You can't stop believing Christ and you can't stop loving your brethren. And the result is we worship God with no guile from the inner man. Philippians 3, verse 2. This is what it is right here. Philippians 3, 2. This is to worship God aright now, and this is by his spirit. Philippians 3, verse 2. He says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision. We're the Israelites indeed. We're the true Jew. And, and that we've been circumcised in the heart. Now, here's the result. We worship God in the spirit, in that new spirit in which is no guile. You don't worship God with your flesh. You worship God in spirit, in this new spirit. And we rejoice in Christ Jesus. He's all our salvation. 
He's all our salvation. We walk by faith, looking to him, knowing we're complete in him, and we look to him to receive all provision that we need in this life. He gives it. And we have no confidence in our flesh. Now we know, because he's made us honest in the new man, now we know that our flesh is nothing but sin. We can't put confidence in it. I can't put confidence in anything I do, and neither can you. We draw near to God, not in word only, but we draw near to God in spirit and in truth because he's put a new heart in us. We have a single eye for Christ, a single heart for Christ. We want Christ to receive all the glory, and that's only of God. Now, I want to show you something here at the end. Notice Christ looked upon that new man. He looked upon the heart. He said in verse John 1, 48, He said unto him, Nathanael said, Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Before you, before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael was under the fig tree, out of sight. He wasn't, he, he wasn't doing what he was doing before men. Now, it doesn't tell us specifically what he was doing, but I'm convinced he was praying to God. He was, he was reading scripture probably and he was communing with God and he was praying to God. He was pouring out his heart to God. Scripture says the prayer of the upright, the prayer of those without guile is his delight. And Christ saw him. He wasn't there physically. He saw him. He's the all-knowing God. He saw him. He saw him. He saw that new man in whom he had communion, that new man he had created. And from that new heart, the believer's honest with God. From the new heart, we're honest about who God is and about what God requires. You, you come to God confessing, God, you're holy. You require perfect righteousness. You require perfect holiness. It's not a good enough to just give it your best shot. You require perfection without sin. You're a holy God. You won't receive less. And he makes you honest about yourself. Lord, I'm nothing but sin. Don't you love to be able to pray to God and just be honest and confess to God? He already knows it, but he's going to have you confess to him what you are and what you've done. And you, you go to him and you confess to him, I'm nothing. I'm nothing in myself. And you mean it. I've never done one righteous thing in myself, ever, ever. Never had a righteous thought. Never done a righteous deed. Never. And he makes you honest about what you need. Father, I need to be found in your son. I need to be found in his righteousness. Not having a righteousness of my own which is of the law. I need to be found in his righteousness. Apart from him I have none. I have nothing. And when he makes you honest like this and you, you pray unto him and you know your only rest is in him it's only by his blood it's in this new man that he's, he's looking upon you. This is, it's this is where we have communion with God. And, and it's here that he gives you rest. Here he, he, that he makes you know you have rest with him. He, he keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon Jehovah. And it's that new man that stayed upon him, that new heart that stayed upon him. He keeps you stayed upon him. 
And so Christ saw him, but Christ speaks here only of what Christ had made him. That's all he, that's all he t- says. He doesn't talk about Nathaniel's sin. Was Nathaniel a sinner? Of course he was. There was sin in what he just said. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He was calling Nazareth a poor, despised place full of sinners and a place you wouldn't even buy property in. That's a sketchy neighborhood. What is that? That's a respect of persons. Of course he was sinful. Christ don't mention that yet, does he? He looked on the new man. He looked on who he had made him to be, robed in his righteousness. And, and as Paul said, whose praise, whose commendation is not of men but of God, that inward man is of great price in his sight. He made him. It took his blood to make him. And, and Nathaniel, because he had this heart of no doubt, he wasn't praying to be seen of men. He wasn't doing what he was doing to be seen of men. His, his fig tree was his closet where he went to pray out of sight just between him and his God. And Christ saw him. And he said, An Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Now, brethren... We're not going to have any peace with God until we understand and see that this is so of us personally. Your old man is dead before God. You can't tell a sinner that it'll make him sin. It's the only thing that will make him not sin. Your old man's dead. There's a new man, and it's God's creation. And God loves everything he's created because it's good. It's like God. Oh, you can't say something's good in a sinner. You best say it is if God made it and God says he made it. The end is going to be we're going to be perfectly righteous within and without. Why not give him the glory for what he's already begun in his people in spirit? But we also need to learn this and, and look at our brethren this way. Paul said this, Romans 7, 17, he said, when I sin, he said, now then it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, in my sinful flesh, dwells no good thing. To will is present with me in the new man where is no guile. But how to perform that which is good I find not due to my sinful nature. Do you think that sin nature was in Nathaniel? Of course it was. But our Lord Jesus spoke only of the inward man because that old man was crucified. We need to remember when we see a brother sin. And, I, and we need to remember this about ourselves when we sin. Paul said of himself, it's, that's not me. That's not the real me. The real me is the new man. One with Christ. That's the me that's dead and crucified. But we especially need to learn this about our brethren. Because here's what it is. We look at our brother and we say when they sin, that's not my brother. It's not. That's, that's his sinful old man of flesh. That's not my brother. 
And if I have no guile, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to consider myself. I'm going to say to myself in honesty, God's holding up a mirror for me to see myself in my brother's sin because I'm guilty of that sin. There's not a sin any of my brethren commit that I'm not guilty of it. In thought, but a great deal of it indeed. And I have to remember that. That's me. And I have to remember this. I'm beholding the old man which was crucified on the cross. I'm beholding the old man that God says he remembers no more before his law. Just like my old man is crucified, that's what I'm beholding. And I don't remember that my brother's the new man within. That is, wherein is no guile. That, that one that, that believes Christ is his all and loves Christ and loves his brethren and is honest about what he is and who he is and that there's nothing outside of Christ. That's my brother. When I see him do something good and Christ work, that's my brother. And you know what that'll help me do? That'll help me go to him humbly from the inward man without malice, without guile and say, you're the man. You're the man. You know what kind of humility and faith it took for Nathan to say that to David? David could have had his head taken off. And he went to him and said, you're the man, David. And then it'll help me quickly restore my brother. But your sin's forgiven. Why is there forgiveness with God? That we might fear him. What did Christ say we're going to get if we go to a brother with judgment? Judgment. But what do we get when we go in mercy? Mercy. Forgiveness breaks your heart. Forgiveness breaks your heart. That's the only thing that mortifies the flesh. And then it'll give me the grace to leave him to God. To work in him. And to pray for him as he does. And I'll show you this. Look, it's Christ knowing our heart. It's Christ bearing witness with our spirit that we're that he knows us, that we're his. That's what mortifies our flesh and strengthens our inward man. As soon as Christ said this to Nathaniel, Nathaniel, verse 49, answered and said to him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. What happened? Beholding Christ, the Spirit bore witness with him, you're a child of God. Beholding Christ, the Spirit mortified his flesh. Brought forth from the inward man a confession without guile that said, You are the Son of God. You're the Master. You're the King. Here's what I'm saying. Look at Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 10. If 
Christ be in you, the body's dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we're debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you, sh you shall die. If you try to mortify flesh with flesh, be it your own flesh or your brother's flesh, if you try to mortify it with flesh, it's not going to happen. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. How's that done? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. You've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, whereby he makes you cry, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. That's how he mortifies the flesh. That's exactly what he's telling us. So remember, when you behold your brother, he's an Israelite indeed, in whom is no God. That's what Christ made him. That's what Christ made him. And I pray, Lord, help us treat each other that way. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for tender mercies to wretched, vile, self-righteous sinners that we are. Lord, thank you for what you did for us on the cross and what you've done in our heart. Lord, make us to see what you've made us. Make us to remember what you've made us. Make us truly worship you without malice. Make us desire this sincere milk of the word as we lay off that malicious man of guile and deceit and hypocrisy. And make us worship you in spirit and in truth. Don't let us leave. Don't, don't let us part from you. Lord, keep us, keep us looking to you. We, we just don't have any strength. We don't have any righteousness. We don't have any faith. We don't have love. We don't have anything except what you give us. And Lord, we ask you, make Christ everything in our hearts so that you, by your Spirit, mortify the deeds of this sinful flesh. And make us be strengthened in our inner man so we can truly enter in to this truth and rest in Christ and not be in bondage and fear and not make each other fearful. Make us help each other cry out to God as children. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for free forgiveness. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.